Hello, it's October, friends. Happy Halloween from me, Lily, a frog who lives in a pond and loves to tell stories. I've got not one, not two, but three Halloween stories for you. And the first one goes like this. Once upon a time, there was a tiny family who lived in a pumpkin. The tiny family had a tiny table where they ate pumpkin waffles on tiny plates with tiny forks and put whipped cream on them with tiny spoons. They pushed back their tiny curtains to look out the tiny windows carved into their pumpkin to see what the weather was like outside and to let the sunshine in. They made their tiny beds and washed their tiny hands and sometimes the tiny mom got out a tiny harmonica and they sang tiny songs with their tiny voices. They were grateful that their problems were tiny and their health was sound. They had just one trouble in the world which was that their neighbors did not trust them. They lived beside a compost pile at the back of a witch's garden, and as you know, a witch's garden is riddled with squirrels and mice and fairies and gnomes, sprites, brownies, and sometimes golems. None of these creatures trusted the tiny family. They were not fairy folk, you see, which are a known entity to squirrels and mice and gnomes and sprites and brownies and, of course, to other fairies. They were tiny humans, see, and all of the other creatures in the witch's garden had a healthy, natural distrust of humans, even tiny humans. It's not that the creatures were afraid of the tiny human family or hostile to them. Indeed, they were just not kind to them, and so the family couldn't count on their neighbors to look out for them. One Christmas, when the tiny family went to visit their tiny grandmother who lived in a hollow birch log, a day's journey away by Magpie, they returned to find a golem living in their pumpkin home. Imagine how sad they were when it became clear that none of the other creatures in the garden would help them chase the golem out. It's too dangerous, said the garden gnome. I just can't risk it. I have little gnome children to worry about. Oh, we're far too busy, said the brownies on the other side of the compost pile. We have a lot of putting up to do, and also working out, and resting. We also need to have brunch every day in December to combat our seasonal depression, I'm sure you understand. You shouldn't leave your home unattended, said a squirrel. That's just nuts. The tiny family knew they couldn't chase away the golem on their own, so they had to rebuild their home in another pumpkin. And until then, they lived in their shed, which was made out of an old teapot with no lid and realistically too tiny for even a tiny family to live in and full of ladders and ropes and sports equipment and such. The smart thing to do is always ask the fairies for help. And the tiny humans knew it, but the fairies were away at the Enchanted Ice Fairies Magical Ice Palace celebrating 100th winter like fairies do every 100 winters, with a month-long celebration, which includes skiing, ice skating, bobsled races, great bonfires, music, dancing, and fairy feasts. So the tiny humans were on their own. They worked hard to carve out a new pumpkin and new furniture and make new windows and draperies and clothes. Imagine their surprise when they were finally able to move into their new pumpkin house 
and the witch's house got up, wandered through the garden, and parked atop their old pumpkin house with the golem inside. As you know, a witch's house is sometimes on chicken legs and gets up and walks around, and this was the case here. It felt so unlucky to lose our pumpkin home, said the tiny father from the safety of their new pumpkin home. But little did we know, said the mother, that it was a great stroke of luck after all. We would have been trapped under the witch's house if we didn't have to move, remarked the father. Doesn't fate turn in astounding ways, remarked the mother. The tiny humans could now see the witch's house from their kitchen window, and the tiny children thought they saw a little fairy lying on the witch's window ledge, cooling like a pie. That shouldn't be, said the mother. That little fairy looks like she has hypothermia. And what does the witch want with her? We should rescue her, said the father. She has none of her own fairy kind to look out for her now. They're all at the hundredth winter celebration. So the family got out their ladders and ropes and worked to get the cold little fairy down from the witch's window ledge and brought her into their pumpkin home quietly where they gave her the warmest, coziest bed in their pumpkin home and fed her tea and honey and little pieces of dried mushroom bread dipped in broth until she sat up in bed and unfurled her wings. Where am I? was her first question and the tiny family assured her she was fine and could stay as long as she needed in their tiny home. Now everything a fairy touches gets better and better, and she moved her fairy hands all over the pumpkin home until it and everything in it was just exquisite and fine. The teapot and the plates and cups had fine painted flowers and berries and vines decorating them. The chairs and beds were carved with lovely details of stars and planets. And the tiny human family's clothes became touched with fairy art so that the stitching was not only waterproof, but the cut and design of their clothes was elegant. Then the fairy flew off to the hundredth celebration, and when she came back, made a decree. This tiny human family who lives in a pumpkin by the compost pile in the witch's garden is under the protection of fairies forevermore. And so it was. And so is this one. Boo. There once was a little ghost who loved to go trick-or-treating because it meant he could hang out with all the kids in the neighborhood in their costumes, all the kitty cats and Cruella de Vils and Ted Lassos, all the sea monsters and mermaids and dinosaurs, the ghostbusters and wizards and paw patrollers and dragons and dragon warriors and superheroes and nobody would say, hey, you're not a kid in a costume. You're a real ghost. They'd just say, wow, cool ghost costume. The little ghost, Boo, wouldn't ask for any candy because he couldn't hold a pillowcase or a pumpkin bucket to keep candy in because he wasn't made of any substance at all. And so he didn't want candy. He had no digestive system. So what was the point? He just liked to be with the other kids. 
He would just float around, hovering above the sidewalk, luminous, with a purplish, bluish, greenish tinge, but mostly made of white light. He didn't have to worry about the usual dangers of looking both ways, because a car could just drive right through him, and it wouldn't hurt a bit. He didn't have to brush his teeth to prevent them from rotting, because he didn't have teeth. There was something he was afraid of, though. Flashlights. And he was really, really, really afraid of them. On Halloween night, there were so many dads out wearing technical fabrics and sneakers with reflective strips on them, and headlamps and carrying flashlights lighting the way for their little ones. Boo was terrified that one of them would turn his flashlight on him and the light would shine right through him and then the dad would know he wasn't a kid in a ghost costume, but an actual ghost and the dad would scream, ghost, and the best night of the entire year would be ruined. And that was the best case scenario. The worst case scenario was that the light would somehow make Boo disappear entirely and forever. So Boo stayed away from the glowing fathers. When he saw one, he'd float the other way as quickly as possible, which is how he accidentally floated right into the powerful beam of a streetlight right in front of a little girl dressed up as a witch. When he floated into the cone of light under the street lamp, Boo completely disappeared. But he was still Boo, and it didn't hurt at all. And the little girl saw him disappear, and she waved her hand through where he was. That didn't hurt either. You're a real ghost, she said to Boo. But she didn't seem scared at all, so Boo unfroze and floated out of the cone of light and into the shadows where he glowed like a proper little ghost again and told her the truth that he was a little ghost and asked her why she wasn't scared. I used to be afraid of a lot of things, said the girl. Spiders, dogs, sharks, sandwiches, bubblegum, Halloween decorations in general. But I trained myself not to be scared anymore. I wish I wasn't scared of flashlights. How did you do it? Well, whenever I saw one of those things, like a spider, my body would just react. I'd be like jumping and freezing and tense up my body. But then I stopped myself. Whenever I saw one of those things, I made my body just look at it. When I saw one of those things, I just looked at it instead of being afraid. And then eventually I just wasn't afraid anymore. It worked for the little girl and it worked for the little ghost too. Maybe it would work for you if there's something you're afraid of. Except for cars. Don't do that. Yeah, don't. Oh, and lions. Oh, and the sharks too. Anything that's dangerous, it's okay to be afraid of.
The third story in our Halloween trilogy is by a friend of the lily pad, Tiffany Passy. It's a sequel to twin baby unicorns called The Jealous Witch's Recovery. Once upon a time, there was a witch named Willow that lived in an enchanted forest. Her cottage was surrounded by herbs and flowers and all sorts of helpful plants. She used her magic to help the woodland creatures with their ailments. Willow was a good witch, a kind witch, but she had a terrible sorrow. She wanted a baby witch of her own but she could not have one. When news came that the unicorn queen Mystiqua was pregnant with twin baby unicorns, Willow became wrathfully jealous. The forest around her cottage began to wilt, then turn yellow, then brown. No longer did the helpful herbs grow. No longer did Willow help the forest creatures. When the baby unicorns were born, Willow visited them and cursed them. Such was the anger and jealousy of the witch in that moment. Mystiqua tried to destroy the witch, but Willow used a transportation spell just in the nick of time to escape Mystiqua's spell. Willow returned to her house, grumbling and angry. She had cursed the babies, but it had not relieved her soul of her terrible sorrow. Willow sat in her home with her arms crossed tight, rocking in her chair, wondering what to do next and if there were possibly any other babies she could curse. She forgot to eat. She forgot to drink. She forgot to brush her teeth. She forgot to go to bed. She just sat up all night being angry, and by the next morning, she was sick. Oh, my head, my back, my neck. Her body was aching. She had a fever. She went to bed moaning so loudly that a passing fairy named Fiddle heard her. Oh, Willow is not well, she said. In fact, Willow had not been well for a long time. The fairy knocked on the door, but there was no answer. Hello, Willow? Are you okay? asked the fairy. There was no answer, so the fairy flew through the keyhole. True fairies can change their size to be as small as a pinhead or as large as an ordinary human being. On the other side of the door, she found Willow moaning and in a bad fever. I know just what to do, said the fairy. She flew away looking for just the right herbs. The fairy came back with her magic and her herbs. She made a pot of stew to heal the witch. The fairy stayed with the witch for many days, nursing her back to health. At first, Willow was angry with Fiddle the fairy. Leave me alone and let me be, said Willow. I'm fine. But the fairy persisted, and soon the witch was feeling better. Why did you stay with me, asked Willow. I was so mean to you. I know your terrible sorrow, said Fiddle. I know your terrible pain. And you helped me when I was sick, so I'm here to do the same. Fiddle continued, Your sorrow is not what ails you, but a terrible attitude is. Everyone has sorrows. Everyone has pain. It's how you react to it that makes you strong or weak, kind or mean, hopeful or hopeless. There is magic in words. 
There is a power that cannot be seen. In order for you to be completely well, you must learn with me. Fiddle taught the witch about good magic and bad magic. Good magic, said Fiddle. It is saying positive things and believing in yourself and having hope. Bad magic is saying and thinking mean things about yourself and others. The first step is to think and say nice things, and before you know it, you'll be doing nice things too. Upon hearing this, the witch yelled and threw her porridge across the room. The fairy flew through the keyhole and left. Willow was so surprised at the fairy leaving so suddenly. She sat and sat and thought about what the fairy had said. Thinking nice things. What a bunch of gobbledygook, said the witch. But in the back of her mind, she thought, maybe they're not gobbledygook. Maybe those words would help me. Maybe I could be kind again. The next morning, the fairy returned. Are you ready to begin? She said. Maybe, said the witch, crossing her arms and turning to the side. Fiddle looked at Willow. The witch sighed heavily, uncrossed her arms, and said, Fine, I'll give it a try. I don't want to be like this anymore. I want to be kind again. And the fairy taught the witch many things and returned every day to check on the witch's progress. And slowly, the plants around Willow's cottage began to grow and thrive, and the witch began helping the woodland creatures with their ailments again. And six months later, the fairy returned to Willow and said, It looks like you're doing much better. I am. Thank you, said the witch. Happy Halloween.